0: to the journey home
1: podcast Welcome
0: to the Journey Home podcast This is Matthew Starrett I'm a psychotherapist and musician based in Surrey UK The premise for the Journey Home is to offer space for conversation with those sharing a lived experience of addiction mental health and a multitude of topics that resonate with the guest The aim is to promote awareness of the dialogue content and serve as a pathway to therapeutic services Joining me on the podcast today is Seth Gillahan. Seth is a clinical psychologist, best-selling author, podcast host, and creator of the Think Act B online school. He specializes in Mindful Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT. I first came across Seth via Sam Harris's Waking Up app. Seth has a featured series on there entitled Mindful CBT. I've really valued the app but had felt it was missing something that factored in the psychology of human behavior, so Seth's series really feels like the missing piece of the puzzle. To my knowledge, it is the first specifically therapeutic content on the app. Seth has written some great articles also, many of which I found on Psychology Today, and I'm aware he has several books out and runs specific mindful CBT training courses. I knew he'd be a great guest to have on the show, so I was thrilled when he agreed to come on. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Seth Gillahan. I'm here with Seth Gillahan. Seth, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure, Matthew. Thanks for having me. So I came across you via Sam Harris's Waking Up app and your featured series on Mindful CBT. Um, but before we get deeper into that, let's go back to the start. Tell me about your background and your journey
1: up to this point. Right. Well, where to begin? Um, well, I I got into this, this field, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, wow, over, I guess, almost 25 years ago, I decided to pursue a degree in counseling because I wanted to, I to do psychotherapy with people. So I did a two-year degree. And then about a year in, I realized, oh, man, this is almost over. I feel like I've just started to scratch the surface in terms of what I, what I understand and and what I can offer people. So I had a, a great mentor there named Chris Erickson, who uh, encouraged me to continue on into clinical psychology uh, to pursue a PhD and uh, to to specialize in cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's what I did. Uh, it was a great great recommendation. She was extremely helpful in the process. She, uh, she actually died not not that long after um and and i mean she was quite young probably younger than i am now so i really appreciate uh, dr erickson's guidance and and that led me to university of pennsylvania where i uh, did some brain research um and some cognitive neuroscience studies trying to understand how the brain uh, produces certain emotional states and how we regulate those states and i uh, also integrated some uh, recent developments in uh, in genetics, looking at individual differences in genes and so that was all kind of cool and exciting and uh, you know got a lot of publications that came out of that as a grad student. but really was finding that um I remember being on internship interviews and one of my interviewers said, "So tell me about how your dissertation research impacts your clinical practice." And I was like,. Poof uh it doesn't at all like there's no way it was so you know i was trying to account for for like single digits uh amounts of variance in terms of certain outcomes like oh this gene shifts things a little bit in this direction and and this brain area is a little more active if you have a big enough group of people where you can see that so all that together led me to realize like you know i think i'm really drawn to doing work that has a more obvious and and direct and immediate impact on people's lives. So I moved into, uh, well, I took a clinical, it's funny. So my version of that was then to take a, 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 a faculty position that was not in kind of clinical, not in the more basic science, not in you know, brain imaging and more in trying to develop and, and test effective treatments for people, particularly with with trauma so i did that for a few years and then realized i wanted to do more of the direct work with people instead of just a few hours of therapy a week so i opened my own practice um gradually transitioned that to full time and and then in more recent years i've shifted away from clinical practice and i do more uh, like developing resources for people um you know who are dealing with with uh, their own Mental health challenges, and and also for therapists, um, and uh, so that's and that's been a lot of fun. I get to do a lot of a lot of creative work now. So that's I think that brings me up to Tuesday, March twenty first. Here we go. Yeah. Yes. And what was it about?
0: Was there anything that you remember in your early experiences? Anything going on? Did anything draw you to this field? To this work do you remember was anything that stands out or
1: yeah yeah it's a great question yes there are several things that stood out i was drawn first i thought to the medical field becoming a physician Um, partly because my uh, my grandfather my dad's my mom's dad had been a a very beloved uh, family physician for over 50 years in eastern kentucky Uh, he was, uh, you know, very, um, integral part of his community and obviously respected and, uh, and bright and all those things, you know, appealed to me. And, and I liked the idea of, of helping people directly. Uh, so I had sort of, I mean, probably at age 12 too, I had this idea of like, I need to figure out what I'm going to do in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. 35 years ago, that right. So. so I had something like a place a placeholder. I was going to become a doctor. So I, I was pre-med in in uh, in college, and that was all going fine and well. and but then I met my uh, my wife to be my junior year of college, and you know talking together, we decided it you know it wasn't the lifestyle we wanted uh, for you know my going to medical school and and, and being a doctor. so uh, so we just sort of did other stuff for for a few years. Mo- moved to Maine. Neither of us had been there before, uh, ran a bed and breakfast for a season, worked in a daycare, uh, worked in a uh, couple of uh, small bed and breakfasts the first season, bus tables at night. So it was, you know, very kind of exciting and adventurous and romantic. Um, and then from there went to, uh, it went, went back to graduate school for for, um, for counseling. but so so that was that it was in maine really where i was kind of exploring like what what next like this is i'm i'm enjoying this sort of uh, you know this period of exploration and and it was kind of it was it was all right not really having a direction but i knew i wanted to do something eventually and so i was doing some reading around the time i read some uh, just whatever our local library had in bar harbor maine I read a book by uh, one of one of Young's, a collection of Young's, Carl Young's mm-hmm. writings. Mm-hmm. Uh, a book by Carl Rogers, a thing called "On Becoming a Person," just you know, classic. and
0: yeah, i looking. I couldn't at it, believe looking at it right now. I just my my gaze went off, and I can see
1: <laughs>
0: so a couple of those books you just mentioned up there.
1: Oh so. uh, yeah, yeah. That's that. They're so foundational, and and reading Rogers, you know, these ideas of you know, if you offer people empathy and, you know, unconditional positive regard. And what's the third one? There are three, right? Mm -hmm. Rougierian principles. Uh, Anyway, and one more uh, important humanist idea, people naturally tend toward growth, you know, and and reading, reading that book, which had been out at that point, probably, I don't know, 40 years or so. I was like, how have I never come across this before? Where has this been? Yeah. Where has this been? How does everybody not know this? Or somebody you know that I knew up there said like, "Oh yeah, Carl Rogers." I was like, "What? You know this? Like, why haven't you told me?" Mm. So I was I was really drawn to uh, to to that to that field, and and it felt felt then, and it feels now like a better fit just for my temperament uh, versus you know going to medical school. And so uh, so that was that was the call, but there were there was there were forces at work that I didn't know or understand at the time i think i think some of them had to do with my my family history of mental health issues i knew i mean my other grandfather my dad's dad had died before i was born um when my dad was 20 and he took his own life he had ptsd that was you know not treated effectively following world war ii and you know awful invasions in the south pacific and so I, I imagined. I don't know if I thought of it in exactly these terms, but I'd imagined at the time what what I what I re- recognized at the time was that I thought, oh, if only my grandfather could have had the kinds of treatments that are available now, then maybe things would have been different. But I don't think I'd really connected until just this just this moment that below that I think there was probably an unconscious fantasy that I could have saved my dad from that pain, and by and by extension saved myself from the the. The kind of fallout that he experienced and that then our family experiences that trauma kind of rippled through our generations fascinating how these things mm. operate below the level of, of awareness and yeah and i couldn't have known when i went to school that i would end up needing the the same types of, of treatments that i was learning for myself in, in my my fifth decade
0: and on that speak about your your experience of therapy because you you really beautifully sort of summarized i know both of us were a bit um pausing on that third rogerian thing i'm sure it'll it'll come back (laughs) in a minute but it almost the way you you explained it it was like oh where has this been this makes so much sense speak about your own experience of therapy has that been there in therapy for you you know what's that been like for for your own personal growth journey you know all that stuff
1: Mm. and matthew do you mean my experience as a therapist or as sorry so your therapy
0: so Talk about your experience as being in
1: therapy, being a client. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that, that was really, that started during my master's program. I saw a, a counselor at the university where I was at George Washington University. His name was Aaron Rocklin, great therapist. Mm-hmm. I've, I've still, I mean, again, this is well over 20 years ago. I have so much love for Aaron because haven't thought of Aaron in in a long time but but he was there at such a uh just critical time in my life um he was not a CBT therapist and that was probably a good thing I don't know that I needed Mm -hmm. CBT at that time exactly although I wanted it I thought I want the real treatment come on Aaron (laughs) don't you know about real CBT about real therapy (laughs) Uh, and and uh but he he gave me I think what I needed at the time which was it, it was very Rogerian. It was, uh, I mean, just the, I remember talking to him about some things and thinking like, oh, he's going to tell me like that, that's, you know, that's bad. And we have to figure out a plan for how to, how to fix that. And he was just, it, it was the opposite. It was just open arms. And I was like, I remember saying in my, I was probably 24, 25 at the time, and probably, you know, not being, completely comfortable with how much, with how much love there was in the room, you know, between that I, was, that I was receiving from him. And I said something like, I know it's, I know it's your job, you know, I know basically like, I know you're paid to, to be accepting. And, um, he's like, Seth, it's more than a job. I was like, yeah, I know. So, uh, that was, I think that that was the most important thing that I took from that, from my work with Aaron Rockland was, um, was a kind of uh, a really deep acceptance that I that I felt from him, and I don't think I had access to on the inside until along I mean, much later, probably into my forties, when I finally realized, like, oh, I can extend that same thing to myself. Wow, well, that was it was really moving hearing you speak about that, Seth, and it
0: got me thinking about my journey, which was. In a way, a bit of a flip. I remember a really early experience for me of therapy was CBT. Mm, yeah, and actually, it was cool, but i was I was a pretty wounded guy. I was really thawing out. I had just you know, gotten clean and sober. and it was like, yeah, the the only sort of thing I can think of is thawing out. It took a long time. And in a way, like it made sense. It was like, great. <laughs> but actually, it wasn't until I was met by a kind of relational humanistic, just that, that force that's, and this is to me, why I think I, why I really love your notion of mindful CBT, almost a paradox in some ways, because then I could kind of go, well, what's this stuff? Do you know what I mean? And that was my experience. Um, it was almost like there was something under there that needed addressing first, perhaps for me. Mm. Um, and i was reflecting on i come you know thinking about talking to you before and there's so many therapeutic schools you know a real multiplicity of them um humanistic psychodynamic gestalt cbt this goes on so got a bit of a glimpse into your kind of journey into cbt um what would you say from your own lived experience of being with a non-cbd therapist but also working in you know, using CBT to to maybe a say like a psychodynamic therapist, a purely psychodynamic therapist or psychoanalytical therapist, who might say like, I was going to say plaster, but you know, band aid. <laughs> we call them plasters over here. Um, <laughs> you know that kind of I've I've come across that a few times. W- yeah. What do you kind of say in response to that? The way that you work, which is sometimes CBT can be viewed. You know, y- you spoke about. Medicine and doctor, you know in England, there's that kind of there's research this 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 is good stuff, whereas not seeing so much with this, whereas it can be subjective, right? I guess and how, right. how do you hold all that and how would you respond? That's what I'd be really interested to hear from you to that kind of notion
1: yeah, yeah i've I've, I've felt pushback about the idea, which I often heard from the psychiatry residents that I used to supervise okay. you know, they would they would have a, a CBT supervisor and a dynamic supervisor right and there is often this description they say well this person needs more of a depth approach the 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 implication being cbt is a shallow approach so i i i bristle at that because i think it's I, i don't think it's i don't think the the depth dimension is exactly i don't think it it's as clean a separation between dynamic approaches and cbt approaches as people sometimes imagine mm. at the same time i i understand where it comes from i mean there are the dynamic approaches there's such richness in a lot of them you know these ideas of projective identification and introjection and, and and transference i think you can transference the idea that you bring past relationships into your current one particularly yeah. into therapy that i feel like is you can put that into cbt terms and it It's Hmm. pretty much equivalent, but i i do I do appreciate. I think there are some some concepts that are pretty squarely psychodynamic or psychoanalytic that CBT therapy doesn't really get to because it's just not. It's just to to some extent, it's a different tradition. Hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I'm thinking of things like like I came to understand my my interpretation of my own experience, for example. That uh, this did not come from a CBT understanding, but more from dynamic thinking, was was I, I noticed there there were times in my relationship with my wife, and this, this happened a number of times where I would I would describe something to her, an interaction I had had, and then she would be critical of the person that I was telling her about, like oh I had this conversation with my brother, and then she would you know say something like why you know that's annoying, and then I would get mad at her. And then, you know, finally, after this happened, I don't know, a dozen times, I was like, that's that's interesting. like why do, that's a dynamic? Why does that keep happening? And so I think a a a psychodynamic interpretation could be that I had I had these feelings toward this person. Like maybe I was mad at my brother, but didn't feel comfortable owning that feeling or acknowledging it. And so I was probably telling the story of our interaction in a way that was, Provoking that response in her. So mm-hmm. she was getting the irritation and she was expressing it. And then I was reacting against her like, like, why are you always so down on my brother? So that kind of thing, I, that's just an example. That's not what all dynamic therapy is about. But I think that's a really useful example, Seth,
0: and one that mm-hmm. so many of us can relate to. We often get into the therapy room in times of real crisis often there's still scope to go to therapy to kind of work, work stuff out. And sometimes it's that kind of stuff where it's like attachment, transference, it's, it's all kind of comes out in a way, do you know what I'm saying? And right, that's, that's right. when it's often more visible. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really great talking to you, you know, about this stuff because I, I, I do struggle with some of the, what can sometimes feel like dogmatic approaches sometimes for sure yeah like and i guess every every area has it it's like you know before i started working as a psychotherapist i was working as a as a musician it's like this music is the best no this one's the best or and you've got yeah. classical musicians who's who operate on a kind of different wavelength to improvisers it's like here's the music i'm going to follow it and others are going just blow man <laughs> see what happens yes. and it's it, it's kind of like what's best for the person
1: yeah
0: rather than it being right or wrong. Um, I've definitely valued that in my own personal therapy. And it it feels like this leads on to something that I was wanting to ask you, which is about mindful CBT. Uh, you highlight the apparent opposing philosophies of CBT and mindfulness, which really resonated with me, kind of goes back to that thing of in my own journey with therapy, they were there, but it took a sort of different viewpoint to merge them together. Um, CBT is associated with changing behaviors. Mindfulness is about being with what is. Talk about what mindful CBT is.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a nice setup. Um, I, I just want to want to go back and mention I think that some of that dogmatism. I don't know if this is always true, it's not always true, but I don't know how often it's the case, but it feels like those that dogmatism is probably more common among trainees and people early in their careers. Who really have this sense of like, you know CBT is the only therapy? You know, there's a kind yeah. of disdain for less less like researched approaches. And then, on the dynamic side, there's this kind of like, <laughs> that's so cute. You know, you think you're doing science and and really, you're just you're just you know working on things that you can easily measure, but the real work you know we're doing is the you know depth work, and yeah, and your therapy is so cute. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, but it's, it seems like more more experienced therapists recognize a lot of what you're describing. I think music is a great analogy. That different, you know, people like different things, or people find different things useful at different times. Uh, and oh. So, I think that's that's a more more fruitful approach. Sure. Uh, so, but yeah, this. Oh, <laughs> tell me, you're uh, what, what was the oh the question right about mindful yeah, was, CBT?
0: Yeah. What is what is that?
1: What yeah. Is that? Yeah, well, you know, I was, I was, you mentioned Sam Harris in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, because of the the series that I did there. And, and uh, coincidentally, just this morning, I was listening to an interview uh, with Sam Harris, I think his guests, I think it was BJ Miller and Shoshana Berger, I think their names mm-hmm. are they, they focus on, um, uh, he's a palliative care and, and hospice doctor, and she does something similar. Mm. But they were they were talking about this doing being distinction uh, you know difference yeah you know that life is not just about like a, a a life you love isn't just about doing everything on your bucket list but it's mm. also about discovering that even before you do anything you can find peace and equanimity uh, and you know joy and beauty so uh, and, and and sam said uh he talked about like this basically he was saying like you can integrate doing and being so you have you bring a sort of quality of being to your doing. So I think that's a that is really kind of what I had in mind or 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 what I came to with mindful CBT is that you know, I I realized that I'd been using I, I'd primarily been doing CBT and then kind of adding mindfulness as like kind of tacking it on if it seemed like, oh, this person could, you know, could use some mindfulness or let me add some meditation at the end of the session for this person. Or, thinking of thinking of cognitive and behavioral and mindful approaches as three separate sort of sort of silos in a way or separate bins but then i realize that mindfulness is it's not really on the same level as cognitive and behavioral approaches because it's more it's more foundational it's more fundamental and because it's it's the quality of your attention and your attention it can, I mean, it affects everything that you do, everything that you think. So you can think what seems like the, you know, quote unquote, same thought. But depending on your, the quality of mindfulness that you bring to it, you can have a very different relationship with that thought. Same with actions you can have. You can do something and not really even be aware that you're doing it. Or you can really be, be present and, and experiencing what you're doing. And same with feelings, you know, we can be pushing away feelings, or saying I shouldn't feel this way, or chasing certain feelings, or just opening to our emotional experience as it is. So the more I kind of dived in there and, and started exploring, well, how, how do these things fit together? I found that really mindfulness kind of colors every part of CBT, or it can we can, we can bring it in and allow it to. And on the other side, that, that was kind of my first realization. But then <clears throat> I realized that the way we think can affect the quality of mindfulness that we bring. I mean, there's, you know, just the teachings that we listen to about mindfulness are exactly that. I think they're trying to influence the way that we think in a way that then can, can affect our uh, mindful awareness. And same with behaviors. The things we do can, can affect our mindfulness practice but also we can we can do things that are themselves expressions of mindful acceptance. So if I have something I need to do and I'm not doing it, then that, that's a kind of embodied resistance to what's happening. But if I accept like, all right, I need to, I don't know, I need to uh, rake the leaves, for example.
0: Mm.
1: I don't feel like doing it, But, but if I allow myself to do it anyway, then I'm accepting the you know, maybe the discomfort that comes with doing it or, uh, or, and I'm accepting that it needs to be done. So I'm, I'm, it's really lived, lived and, uh, ex- like physically expressed mindfulness.
0: They, they sound, you know, I work as an integrative therapist. And again, it brings up that kind of thing of drawing on different bits to help rather than there being that kind of one or the other. But also, I was just thinking of balance when you were saying that. Mm. Um, And some of the parallels, like acceptance, commitment therapy, you know, some of that stuff and where we can get stuck. Sort of drawing on these different sources can be really helpful. Like, even in compassion-focused therapy, that sense of having like a wash of compassion, which then gives us the ability to take responsibility. You know, it's not about hanging out under the... The bedspread and not doing anything maybe some days you need to do that but actually it's kind of allows you to take responsibility but it needs that first bit and it sounds a bit like you know with this cbt uh, with cbt kind of need to me that makes total sense it needs that mindful awareness Mm, it feels kinder in a way than perhaps maybe the perceived notion of it's six twelve sessions we're going to get you fixed going to get you cured and then it's like but life on life's own terms is still pretty mm. tough sometimes.
1: Um that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's a great way to describe it. I, I think a CBT on the one hand is is it's it's a very well tested approach. It works for a lot of people, but it doesn't work for everyone. And the people that it works for, it's not like it, I mean as you suggested, it's not like it takes away all their just you know the problems of of living. Or in a lot of cases, you know doesn't even resolve most of their symptoms you know maybe it's a person can be considered a a responder to cbt you know having had a a positive outcome but maybe their symptoms went from like a 40 to a 25 right it's much better they're no Mm. longer in an acute crisis but but 25 is not great so i think the uh Part of what's so I think just think invaluable about acceptance, whether we call it mindfulness, or, or just kind of a frame for therapy is, Mm -hmm. is recognizing that uh, we may and and likely will continue to struggle with with certain things, you know, if you're highly anxious, you're probably still gonna deal with anxiety, at least some of the time. Um, And, and rather than making that a problem that, you know, we, we can't, we can't be content, or we can't really start living until these things are completely resolved we can kind of get on i guess this is really the act approach is you know decide what's important to you what you really value and commit to living in in line with those things even if you're not feeling all the way better
0: yeah and a couple of things that brings up for me you spoke about uh, carl jung earlier but that famous thing which i've always really liked resistance leads to persistence yeah, so actually, in a way, the more I think about it now, there's quite a few cognitive areas to even his work. Actually, yes. looking at it, it's if it's like a right and wrong thing, but actually, when I find myself checking out some of these things, it's like, oh, that's actually pretty cBT in many ways. yeah, well, that's actually pretty humanistic, or this you know, his thing of individuation, like Carl Rogers. I think it was the like a potato growing in a dark room, I think was one of mm. the Carl Rogers things. I think um you know that sort of notion of individuation like it's just growing and weaving around and it will find the light you know there's a crack of light right right and it will find it but it's going to do it in a kind of crooked way
1: it's not going to follow the exact path
0: and it's like yeah they're all quite linked actually and if we take the egos which i guess everyone brings to part of work sometimes and it's as you say the kind of which actually you know it maybe reflect when you're saying about the sort of trainee and teaching thing it's i sometimes think it's a bizarre thing to be taught when at the root of so many therapies is like accept yourself individuation be who you are but here's the way to do it you know i certainly right. found it was like what <laughs> uh, okay you know it has to be there but it was also it was a bit of a paradox in itself um i found you via Sam Harris, as, as I had said, and you, you spoke a bit about uh, the Waking Up app and the course you have on there. Um, I think why I was particularly drawn to it was, uh, I want to check on in this, but I th- believe it's the first specifically therapeutic content featured on the app.
1: I think that's right. Yeah. Which, yeah.
0: And I, I just saw it pop up and it's like, yes. Yes. Yeah. And I love so much of that. And meditation is really big in my life and, you know, in personal and professional life, but I was, I was kind of felt like I was waiting for that with, with some of those guys, like in the meditation yep. world, in the neuroscience world, it was like, can we get the, you know, why we behave that way in there a bit. And, and, um, yeah, it was really cool to see that on there is, is there any more coming or is that something that you're going to continue doing?
1: I mean, I, I would love to you know, contribute another series if, if they were up for that. Um, but yeah, I was really happy that they, that they moved in that direction too. And, and uh, I've been a big fan of of the Waking Up app ever since it came out, and you know had used it for many many, many sessions on my own before you know being invited to mm-hmm. to create the series. and was of course, thrilled to do that. But one of the things I really appreciate about that series, and I think it's or sorry, that that app and about you know, Sam Harris and a lot of his guests, mm-hmm. is that there does seem to be a real real recognition that meditation and mindfulness alone, Aren't necessarily going to fix everything a person's dealing with i think there's again you know speaking of kind of dogma mm-hmm. i think there's a common i've i've often run into a kind of uh what feels like a resistance or maybe it's a, it's been an explicit resistance at times to to things that are explicitly like mental health focused or, or psychological with the idea being that that if you if you have to do that, you're again. It's it's shallow. It's you, you haven't done enough uh, mindfulness work. If you just did that, sorry to to cut in there, but it, mm-hmm. a little bit like
0: the the sort of image you gave earlier of the two sort of opposing schools. Like, oh, isn't that cute? We're much deeper than them. But almost <laughs> right. like, oh, that's cute. They're doing some mindfulness. Those those therapists are trying some mindfulness, and and it right. can be, yeah. How do you how do you navigate that? Do you have a do you have a practice for yourself? You know, how do you link your, your professional work, your personal findings, I guess your values, how do you put, link that into your own practice um, if meditation is something that, that, you, that you indeed practice?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've been for, for quite a while now in a, a morning routine, I, I guess like a lot of us are um, doing meditation typically first thing. And i've I've come back for a while. It was just silent meditation. You're just sitting uh, sitting in silence. Uh, that's actually what I did this morning. Um, mm-hmm. but it's I've also used different guided meditations, you know, including the waking up app, as I mentioned. Um, and it's it's shifted. It's really, you know speaking of kind of finding what you need, it's really shifted over the years. Like initially, it was a lot of more of the uh, what do they call the Vipassana. Mm-hmm. approach i think like really you know trying to you know, focus on the breath oh my mind wandered bring it back to the breath bring it back and that was that was helpful in a lot of ways and i had some some pretty mind-blowing experiences not that that's the goal but uh but but they really opened my eyes to more of of experience and, and, and it truly I mean, it felt like a waking up experience and then uh Other times it's been more of uh, like a yoga nidra approach, like trying to take advantage of more of the relaxing and allowing type of uh, meditation. Um, And lately, it's been my focus has been more on kind of self self discovery or self connection. It's trying to bring myself back to relationship with myself. It's I mean I I write about this in my book, Mindful Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, but Mm. there's uh, so easy to get out of touch with ourselves and and there's such there's so much within us that we miss out on. I mean even for those of for those who go in this direction, even something I mean something deeply spiritual just about being present with ourselves and and some would even say divine. Um it's it's funny Matthew, you know, you're talking about how different therapies get to the same place and it it seems true with different spiritual paths too that you know you go you go deep enough you kind of end up in i mean from what i've seen in basically the same place is that something cuz i wanted to
0: ask you does, does spirituality have a place in your life what does that mean to you
1: yeah yeah for sure it was a bit fraught for a long time i guess maybe it still is to some extent but i i grew up uh, my dad was a, a preacher hmm. we were in a fundamentalist Pentecostal uh, denomination. So a lot of emphasis on uh, the exclusivity of what we believe to be being the only way and um, even among you know, certain types of Christianity weren't quite sure that they were that they were saved. Um, so then leaving that after college, and uh, when it just no longer made sense to me, um, you know, the emphasis on on God's anger and judgment. It's like, man, I came to to believe and tell myself, if if there is a God, you would sort of think it's interesting that someone's an atheist. Be like, that's kind of cool, huh? Look what they did. So it was really hard for me to connect with anything, even vaguely spiritual after that. Sure, I remember people sitting around at, at lunch, or having lunch with a pretty well known uh, person in the mindful CBT area. Uh, mindful cognitive therapy when i was uh, a grad student and and he asked people to go around and talk about their meditation practice you know like do you have a meditation practice what do you do and to me it brought back such feelings of like like these performative feelings of uh you know my, my upbringing feeling like you had to sort of show that you're that you're spiritual enough that you're doing the right things you're raising your hands during the worship service and having these. Uh, kind of, I don't know what you'd call them. These experiences that show that you're one of the elected ones. Um, so I, I couldn't even bring myself to meditate for years. That was probably 2008, um, and then it was probably 2010, 2011 that I finally, I really felt drawn to it. Uh, so, so now, I mean, my spirituality, my understanding of that I feel like has really evolved. Especially in 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 the past few years, um, I still carried this implicit sense that there was a God who was angry with me and just looking for me to to mess up. And I finally realized that that wasn't true, and that it was just the opposite. That the love that I felt as a parent for my kids and all their messiness and you know all the all their I mean, I guess you'd say shortcomings, for lack of a better word. For all their kidness, you know, that that overwhelming love that I felt for them, I came to believe was still a pale reflection of what the divine feels toward us. So more recently, I I believe that, I mean, just to put it frankly, just to be honest, I, I believe the universe is built of love and that uh, I have no idea what God is. Mm so but to the extent that there is and i and i believe like so many um mystics of different traditions find that the closer you go to yourself and really understand yourself you find you discover god mm-hmm. and the more you approach god or the spiritual you discover yourself though mm-hmm. so i found that that the the sense of of divine help that i might know plead for at times isn't just close but like it's like within my it's in my skin it's yeah yeah it's within you oh that's so powerful thank you for for sharing
0: that i mean so authentic and vulnerable and real i i really really valued listening to that and Mm. that sense of again it brings up for me almost a for me suffering comes up most for me or i suffer most when i'm assigning to some set of rules that i think are there that i should do oh yeah and in a way you know going back to meditation so valuable but i found myself caught in those loops again with that gets to a point and it's like i've got to do it this way and there's that sort of tiny whisper that i think is my sort of compassionate self me my sort of yeah my meanness for want of a better phrase and (laughs) it's like but I quite like this way. It's like, so why not go there? You know, even hearing you is like you just go to different phases, journey, not destination. Right. Like kind of really powerful. Um, Yeah. I I really, I really valued what you shared there. So thank you. Mm. Before I let you go, I wanted to invite you to partake in some word association, if that's okay. Right on. It's something I, I do with all my guests and I'm aware Actually, it's happening quite a lot, weirdly. I didn't expect it to happen, but sort of I'm aware this is an old Jungian technique. And Carl Jung is like dotted around conversations with some of whom I've spoken to on this podcast, a therapist, some not. And it's like, where's he coming from? Why, where does he keep coming in? That's quite cool. Oh, yeah. But um, so He's he an archetype.
1: A... He keeps coming back.
0: Yeah, he keeps coming <laughs> back. What's he doing? Um, good old Jung. So yeah.
1: let's do it. Does that feel cool? Let's okay. do it for sure. Okay, here we go truth peace family love mountain view friendly ice cream (laughs) water ice closeness raspberry no idea and finally dreams uh chakra how was that? Did it take you where you thought it would? No. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, some of them are just automatic associations like family, love, and mountain, view, ice, the raspberry. I, I don't know where that came from, but, but it is interesting. It's interesting too, just to kind of, like the, the last one took a while because it was I was waiting for my mind to say something. Mm. So it's interesting just from a mindfulness or meditation approach just to realize how how our thoughts kind of think us you know it's not yeah, so yeah. much like i'm not generating these things they're just bubbling totally up.
0: and when i was thinking about our episode today i was i was thinking about this and it it just felt different and even listening to you there it feels a bit different given what we've been speaking about mindfulness and our true selves because i think word association can actually be quite complementary alongside mindfulness um, mm, just thinking yeah. thoughts can be activating but are often especially activating when we tack on unnecessary meaning to them right eg when i when i heard the word x i thought of y or i'm having this thought it must mean i'm i'm this which comes up a lot i recognize in cbt you know yeah, work like yeah. um and you know part of me feels bad like am i allowed to sort of take my own meaning of young's word association but it may differ but it's something i've been reflecting a lot whilst i've been doing this series um i personally love mindfulness and i value it so much because it invites me to investigate the thoughts and ask questions rather than overly identifying with it which is what happened to me for so long it's almost like the next part can't happen because of being stuck in that first bit yeah yeah what does that mean and it's it just feels quite freeing even listening to your answers it's like right on yes (laughs) yeah you know it's funny matthew i
1: i just uh i'm I'm creating a uh a course right now and i just recorded a a brief mindfulness exercise about recognizing thoughts Mm. that included a a kind of word association thing where i was i was thinking of the the words i was saying as like a pebble that you drop and then ripples go out you just sort of watch like where does the mind go with that get to know your mind
0: well listen seth thank you so much for coming on today i've i've loved listening to you and talking to you um yeah thank you so much
1: thank you matthew i really enjoyed our conversation really appreciate the spirit that you brought that created this space for us see you again soon seth thank you bye-bye
0: wow i really enjoyed that thank you seth such a great discussion from my prior research i recognized seth integrated other areas into his work but i wasn't expecting so many different schools of thought to come into the conversation it was so great to talk about all that with seth Seth describing the conflict between the CBTers and the psychodynamic therapist did make me laugh, and it spurred on discussion on not having to subscribe to a set of rules or dogma, but rather exploring and finding what best fits for us. How even meditators may view therapists as less than, and vice versa, but how it seems that to access inner peace we can integrate ideas rather than having to subscribe to one school of thought. Hearing Seth share his personal journey was really moving, and I loved hearing about his journey with spirituality. I was aware again how the Carl Jung archetype certainly seems to be present in the podcast, something I did not see coming. I was so captivated by the things we were discussing, I realised that I hadn't even mentioned Seth's own podcast, Think Act B. It served as a real inspiration for the journey home, so do check it out. Seth shares simple research-based practices for managing stress and anxiety in his free e-guide, 10 Ways to Manage Stress and Anxiety Every Day. To find out more about this and Seth's work, check out SethGillihan.com. In this episode, Seth and I discuss the multitude of schools of therapy such as CBT, Humanistic, Psychodynamic, Jungian, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, or ACT, and more. There are indeed many different psychotherapy approaches. If you'd like to dig deeper into the ins and outs of them, check out the BACP's A to Z of therapeutic approaches. I've included a link in the episode description. The Journey Home was brought to you in conjunction with Portobello Behavioral Health. Music and production by Matthew Starrett, edited by Tom Worrell. You've been listening to the Journey Home podcast.